Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. Um, all right, Chris, uh, here we are once again with, um, uh, without Colson with us. Uh, to ask the insightful questions. He does that, by the way, really well. I, I, when I go back and listen to the, some of the older podcasts, I'm like, oh, we totally forgot to talk about. Uh, and then Colson will go, wait, wh- so so what was the whole Gehenna thing about? Like, oh, <laughs> right. that's right. We just kind of wandered off. Right. Hey, we covered it. We know what we mean. Right. Um, and so it's super helpful to have him. He may, he may have to follow up with all of these we did without him and say, you forgot to this or so that'd be good. Um, but here's the conversation. Uh, you and I were having a minute ago to start and then decided, no, this, we need to talk about this. And it's this question. Um, how do we integrate as believers this idea that we need to have an ultimate respect for an almighty, just, holy, and sacred God? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at passages like, you know, Romans 9 that challenges who are you? You're the clay, right? And you're going to call the potter into account. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Right. Um, or as gentle as God is, I think with Job at the end of Job, He also is not. Um, I mean, He's not. He's not soft or weak with Job. Like, right. hey, you you don't have what it takes to have this conversation with me, and I'll take you as far as you can go. But there's only so far I can take you. I'm God, and you aren't. Mm-hmm. How do we integrate the truth of that? Um, and then we're on a podcast like this where we're questioning some really basic things about God that we, we you know, how do we risk offending him? And we integrate the idea that, that like the Apostle Paul says, that we should test everything and keep that which is right or keep that which is good. Or the Berean church that tested Paul to Scripture and Paul didn't take that as offensive. So, or, yeah. or, or as we talked about, a David who calls out God all the time, where are you? You've abandoned me. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, anyway, so let's let's talk through because you and I are wrestling with it. So let's. Uh, I assume that probably means some other people are too. With yeah. It. Well, it's hard not to think of a parent-child relationship. Yep. Uh, in a lot of ways, that I want as my kids get older, for sure, to feel the freedom to come to me with questions or. Um, how they felt treated when I did something. And again, the difference is going to be I'm going to make mistakes all the time. <laughs> right. But there's still always going to be a okay. Careful <laughs> now, you're you're dancing on like you're you're right on the edge of disrespect. Yeah, how you're asking that. A lot of it is in tone and things. And so I think even with this, God welcomes like in Isaiah. He says, "Come, let us reason together. Like let's, let's yeah, think with me. Good. Um, and." Like we've said before, that Jesus wasn't afraid of Thomas's doubt or John the Baptist wavering. Um, yep. It was fine. But I think the balance is always going to be, at the end of the day, um, my view is God has the right to not have to explain himself to, every, to, to everything that he does to my satisfaction. Right. Because there's a lot of times where I'm just like, why? My, uh, we're coming up on one year since my niece died in a tragic accident. Mm. And I, in my mind, I can't come up with one good reason why that should happen, should have happened. Um, 
but it, there's a certain point where yeah. I don't use that now as ammunition against God's goodness or existence. I look at it as that just is demonstrating my ignorance. Um, yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's not painful. And I think that's where God is there with you in the pain. Like with David, he's not afraid of listening to David about why aren't you answering me or, right. you know, why, how long, all those things. But at the end of the day, even David lands back on what he knows is true about God, that the steadfast love of the Lord mm. or whatever it is, even with, um, I think of Lamentations 3, where like the first 20 verses, um, we're assuming it's Jeremiah, is just lamenting what God has done, like that God has targeted him and he's bitter and all these terrible things. And then you get this turning point in like verse 21, and he says, but but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. His mercies never come to an end. They're, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So he lands right. on what he knows about God to answer all the issues that he doesn't understand. Like, even though this is happening, I still know there's the steadfast love of the Lord. And so the balance is going to be, and, and this is where... <laughs> Sorry. The integration <laughs> is going to be, you got me. That's good. I, I really beep, did catch beep. myself. I started to catch myself. The integration is going to be um, this this respectful, I don't know if we'd have to coin a term, respectful questioning, respectful yeah. skepticism, respectful whatever, but I'm coming but, in it humbly. Humble. Yeah. Humble questioning, hum, humble doubting. I, I think... I think it comes to, uh, I mean, it has to come to some degree to motive. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm asking my wife a question, am I asking because I want to understand, uh-huh. or am I asking because I'm calling her into account? Right. So if I come home at the end of the day and say, so what'd you do all day? Meaning, hey, tell me about your day. Right. Like, what'd you do with the kids, and what'd you do hanging out, and how did you do with this work thing, and how did you handle it? But if I come home and say, like, what did you do all day? <laughs> right. Like, those are, it's, one is seeking understanding, and I think it's respectful and and can be positively engaged with versus, you know, I'm, 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 I'm judging this moment. I'm calling you to account. Yeah. And, and as, as inappropriate as that probably would be with my wife, um, nearly every time it would, that's where I think you would cross the line with an almighty and holy God is to come from a position of superiority. Yeah. And I even, I felt that, um, you know, in our recent conversation with a, with an atheist, I felt that, and and I I you know wanted to jump in with it and didn't, but it's strange to me that we would consider ourselves in this day and age like judging the rest of mankind, much less God, from some kind of superior moral high ground. Yep. Like oh, I look back on those people and man, weren't they backwards and evil? Right. Um, whereas I think. I, I really think, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Chris, but I, I really think like Genghis Khan would look at modern America and say, you guys are barbarians. Mm. I mean, you are, you are backwards and evil. Who, who takes the lives of their own children at the rate you guys do? I mean, yeah. you're, you are committing social suicide. You are destroying your own culture yeah. at, at the expense of your own comfort in general with so many different ways. And, and so it's a, like, I, I really think that. And so I, I think I think we would be judged by most of the, I mean, the way we, I don't know if you've ever read, I wrote an article about the, you know, these four or five great moral evils of our day. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, how we treat our veterans in this country um, and how we have over the last 50 years. I mean, I, I think most nations, I think, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not an expert in this, but I think many nations throughout history would say, you, you don't honor your veterans, you don't honor your warriors and your older people at this, like they get, they get less social support than other, like just random people. Like, what are you thinking? Right. And so how we handle sojourners and immigrants, and I, I think ancient Israel would rise up and say, you guys are backwards mm-hmm. and evil. And maybe, maybe a lot of, so examples, <laughs> I think there's several of those. So uh, to me, I think it's even more, it's so prideful on our part if we say, um, I put myself in a position to judge God as if I have the moral high ground. That's bad enough to do with humans, but with God. Or, or, or as if you have all knowledge yeah, of all the facts. That's right. I think that it's part of our culture, though, the whole radical autonomy Mm. Um, which we've said before, autonomy literally means self-law. Right. Um, it, and again, the, the integration of what we're trying to do here is there are things that we can call into question because there's, there's not good reasons to keep holding on to them. But you do eventually have to land the plane and land on stuff that is true. And I think that the attitude of our culture right now, um, and this is partly in my mind because of critical theory and critical race theory and the origins of that is that um, we get to overthrow whatever we think, whoever's in power that we disagree with, we get to radically overthrow it. And so I just think that this is a continuation of of that attitude that if I come across something in the Bible that is weird to me or I don't understand or I definitely, if I don't agree with it, then I get to call God, I get to put God on trial and just say, mm-hmm. that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Um, if I were God, I would have, which is ultimately, you know, terrible for me to think that I know better um, than God. And that happens a lot with with suffering. And I mentioned like with my niece, right? I just, I can't see right. the reason. But it's like in Isaiah 55 where God says, my ways are so much higher. As the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts, my ways are higher than yours. Um, but I really think that that's the attitude that I felt coming from David Smalley was I get to put God on trial for anything that I don't like. I would have done it different. Right. Um, even like what's with the blood in the doorpost? Doesn't God know who? And it's like, well, no, there's another explanation, but I get right. to just anything that I think is silly or barbaric or weird that I wouldn't do or isn't in our culture. Um, we're going to throw that out as an argument, chalk that up as another argument against the Christian God. Yeah. So I just feel like it's, it's, um, are you, are you a reader of Dilbert? You ever read Dilbert cartoons? Oh, some, not a whole lot. So one of my favorite ones, and this actually connects to a couple of stories, but one of my favorite ones is, you know, his trash guy uh, in the early, in the early cartoons, his trash man, the, the, the guy takes out his trash is a super, super genius. Okay. Like he like to develop gravity control and time travel and all kinds of stuff like that. And, um, and at one point Dilbert says to, to the trash guy, you're such an incredible genius. Why are you taking out trash? And the genius says, the trash guy says, if you really believed I was a genius, shouldn't you be asking why you aren't taking out trash? <laughs> That's good. And, and what struck me, so there's also another connection to that, the movie um, uh, Searching for Bobby Fisher, uh-huh. which is uh, about a chess prodigy. Highly recommend. My number one favorite movie of all time. I don't know if you okay. know Okay, I've um, heard you say that, yeah. Um, 
And uh, there's a great scene where he, the dad, who is a normal guy, um, is asked by the coach. The coach is like, hey, I see you're you know, letting your son play chess in the park again. And the dad says, yeah, he's playing better than ever. And the chess coach says, how would you know that? <laughs> and the yeah. dad's like, okay, you're right. I have no idea, <laughs> I have no idea if he's playing better right. or not. I feel like at some level, engaging with these conversations needs that humility. Yeah of, okay, I want to understand, God, I would really, really like to understand why you let Chris Sherrod's family member die, mm-hmm. or my friends or family, or the, the things that I see around me that make no sense to me, or or even some moral lines, like, why why are you so offended by polygamy, or why do you call same-sex in, sexual encounters a sin? Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And why do you allow evil things or why did you have them put blood on the doorpost? Now I, I do get that. I do know that one, mm-hmm. but the, um, uh, that was a teachable lesson for all of us yeah. through history. <clears throat> Cause there was going to be a couple of very important cross beams that were going to have blood right. on them. Foreshadowing. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, but, um, but again, it, and when someone teaches, sometimes they do things that don't make sense to the students while they're learning it. Um, that being said, I don't come at that saying, you owe me an explanation. Mm-hmm. Who who the heck do you think you are? Right. And um and that's a but I can still ask. But I, I have to ask, I think I think the right attitude is I'm asking from the perspective of and and I don't know how you feel about this one, but even early on I would ask it this way, like, God, if if you're there and if you're God, I sure would like to understand this. Or could you show me this? Or could you teach me this? Um, because I didn't want to come at the presupposition that he wasn't any more than I was coming from the presupposition that he was. Right. And because both to me seemed almost like cheating at one point. Like, okay, I'm going to start with the presupposition he is. That seems a little bit like cheating. But if I start with the presupposition he isn't, that also seemed like cheating. Right. And so, because then I was holding a God who doesn't exist accountable for things that if there is no God, he would not be accountable for. Right. And so that began to make no sense to me as well. Um, so I would always try to be respectful even when asking questions, even when I wasn't sure about the existence and the nature of God for myself. Um, that if there is a God, he gets to be God. Yeah. And that seems like an important part of the conversation. And I think we've mentioned this before about being honest, because um, we were talking to David about what, what would count, what would qualify as a convincing, like what would change your mind, what would qualify. And so even someone who's deconstructing their faith, to be honest in answering the question of um, at what point will you be okay saying, I just don't understand or I just Mm. don't agree. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you don't have that, then everything else that we say, you're going to be able to throw out and say, well, no, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't agree. And then you can always just, so it's, it's the balance of healthy skepticism. Sorry. That may be a balance. Sorry. Okay, let me take a second. They, they're, so I've been I don't know if we've talked about balance. 50 years of my life. It took me a long time to, to okay. stop saying to, but okay. it's purely, and I don't know if we've, have we talked about in the podcast why the word balance Not why. is? Not why. Okay, let me just take a second. Why balance is one of my triggers, one of my personal Now I just feel like I'm the weird old uh, guy who's changing people's opinions on stuff. So um, that's going to be really loud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the, that's the, a good point. But <laughs> chew an almond. That's exactly right. Um, they, they'll turn it up on the mic really loud. Um, the um, 
uh, okay, so back to it is purely because I like people to think about things. Mm-hmm. And balance is one of those words that we use, like expectations or needs or something, mm-hmm. that we use it and it means something, but we're using it in a way that we don't really mean what it means. And so like when Christians talk about um, we need to balance you know, truth and love. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you have a little bit too much truth, and not enough love, you just need to pull back on the truth a little bit mm-hmm. to create balance. No, that's not what we mean. There's never too much truth or too much love. The more we can have of each is good. And so that's why, so a scalding hot shower for five minutes and a scalding cold shower, I mean, a freezing cold shower for five minutes would be balanced, but it would it would not be well integrated. Mm. And so that's yeah. why I want to use that. Yeah. And part of it is as a therapist, I have people come to counseling and say, I want to learn to balance my work life and my home life. And I'm like, well, you can't do that. It's not possible to balance them. You've got to prioritize what matters most to you and integrate what you can into that. Yeah. And so balance is a Greco-Roman, uh, if you use it from an all-things-in-moderation perspective, that is a Greco-Roman virtue, but not a Christian virtue. Mm-hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God and let everything, he will add everything else to you. Yeah. Or it's an Eastern philosophy mindset of the yin and yang of, balancing for every, you need a little bit of evil in the the good and a little bit of good in all evil. And that's also not a Christian mindset. Now, I'm not talking about being able to water ski or walk a balanced beam or, <laughs> right. or a slack line. Like that kind of balance, physical balance is always healthy. And there are times when it's totally appropriate for us to balance things in our lives. Right. Just like there are times when it's appropriate to have expectations. We just need to make sure we're using that word Would you properly. say then because I'm trying to think of what I mean by it. Yeah. If you're if you're talking with someone, you're you're trying to discern right now do they need yeah, just to hear more truth or do they need just to feel affirmed right now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. That's when I think of it, that's the word. That's why I say balance because yep. I'm trying to figure out well, for this person, they need to hear the truth because they're whatever. But this person right now, that's just going to totally discourage them. Right. So I'm integrating. Yes. But I'm or emphasizing or, or, emphasizing okay, or, okay. or prioritizing okay, is that's why that's I use that I mean. word. Okay, yes. Okay. okay. Um, and it, it's, it's a weird, it's a, I know it's a weird quirk and even a, a, a eccentricity <laughs> as I'm becoming an old fogey, right. that an eccentricity that some words I'm like, and it's just because I've heard people beat themselves up with certain words. Yeah. And like when they're, when they, you know, needs is, was my first one that everyone had a need about everything. Like I need have emotional mm-hmm. needs and I have sexual needs and I have, and the problem with the need is if I if I if you have ten apples and I'm starving and I need one of your apples, I will push you down and take your apple. Like that's a and I won't feel bad about it. Right. And so if we say, Well, I have certain emotional needs, then I'm gonna feel I'm not gonna feel bad about mistreating you in order to get those emotional yeah. quote needs met. Um, or sexual needs or friendship needs or forgiveness and pick it, right? Because it so, becomes a right. Like you right. think it's all right. And so I have the need to not be harmed. Now harm becomes in itself a, and and an offense or a or a I don't know an attack mm-hmm. and so if you if you harm me but as you know as we would say talking about going to the dentist right there there is a there is a health that comes on the other side of harm and and so we I, I should never have to suffer like well I mean sometimes you do need to suffer in order to move on to what's next yep. and anyway that's why so sorry of all of you out there now you can always refer back to what was, I, what was I talking about? <laughs> you were talking about <laughs> trying to uh, balance or uh, or what you were going to emphasize in regards to when you're talking to someone who's not a believer. That's where you were going with it. Okay. I don't know if it, if that reminds you or... <laughs> I'm going to have to rethink. 
where we were going. Uh, it was about, we were talking, we'd just been talking about the searching for Bobby Fisher oh, right, right, thing right. about, do I know, how do I know I'm putting myself in a position of authority? Yeah. I'm putting myself in a position to judge. Yep. So I think I, the example that I mentioned before we've been started recording, I think is related to this, where the very first time I heard someone mention John 3.16 can be seen mm. as bad. Yeah. I just was blown away because... This guy was talking to a young gal about God's love, and he quoted John 3.16, this glorious verse, and her response was more like, yeah, that's just the kind of thing God would do. And he was like, wait, what? And it was more like a disdainful response. Mm. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, instead of him going, he sends his son. But it's because she had a dad that she grew up with that would do that. He would throw anyone else under the bus to save himself. And so even as we're approaching... um, these different topics. And I felt like that way with, with David when we were talking about God being so holy and amazing that my response was he he lets us come into his presence. He's made a way, and David's attitude was more like, he should just let everybody come in. Like, why does he have to have those? So it's it's almost like your attitude as, you, as you're approaching the question, you've got to back things up and just go like, well, what do I believe about God? And are there is there a point where I can be humble enough to say, um, even if I don't fully understand it, I think there's enough evidence. That's why I think in our debate with him, uh, we didn't really debate, but as we were talking about a few questions, I was fascinated that he didn't want to talk about science. Uh, right. I kind of brought up something and it was kind of dismissed. And I think, again, that that is a little bit of the attitude that we have today with a lot of young people or people in general, that there's so much good evidence for there being a designer or... Um, the beginning of the universe not happening by itself, not being its own cause. Like there's so many things there. I think you can't, it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to argue that there's a God or that there's not a God. So now everything goes, goes back to, but I don't like that God or I don't like the Christian God or I don't like the things that he decides or anyways, I just think the issues more and more today are moral versus evidential. Does that make sense? Yep. Cause people want to talk about, God's view of of sexuality and not does God exist? Right. Because you and I would go, well, if God exists and he designed us, then he has a right to decide that. Right. But people don't want to talk about that. They just want to deal with, I, I disagree. Yeah. I really liked, I really liked something that you used a, a phrase a minute ago. Um, you used the phrase once all, you said at the end of the day, that mm-hmm. was the phrase you used. Mm-hmm. And so I real quickly wanted to look at, I mean, I know what that phrase means kind of, you know, once all things are taken into consideration, like once once you actually end up finishing everything off. Well, intriguingly, it, the word balance may be appropriate here. It has to do with a, like a balance sheet. Looking up where the word comes from, it has okay. to do with paying people at the end of the day, uh-huh. probably that when you get paid off. And and so you know, here's your here's your positives. Here's what you earned. But you you know, you bought a soda from the soda machine, and you you know whatever. I'm now making it more modern, but. So at the end of the day, here's what you earned, here's what you owe, here's what you get paid. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's at the end of the day, here's what we're left with. And I think there's something very powerful to acknowledging at the beginning of the day that at the end of the day, there are certain things that aren't, that don't have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if they, even if they did change, so if they do change, that would obviously be pretty, pretty significant. 
Um, but barring something significant happening, barring there being such a big thing, I can go into this knowing I can ask these questions and wrestle through these things because I know, like David ending his psalms, beginning his psalms with, where are you? Yeah. And ending his psalms with, I, know, praise, you. I praise you. Um, that maybe there comes a point at which you don't have to put God on trial again mm-hmm. and again and again, but you can rest in certain things that, that you do know. So so it's a little bit of, um, you know, you right at the beginning we started talking, you referenced, um, you know, family and parents and that kind of stuff. Right. And um, I referenced this on Sunday morning at uh, this at this last Sunday about you know the the, the fine line of uh, of offering insight to help church be better versus criticizing the bride of Christ right. and and how do you this is the same kind of question how do you do that how do you say the church needs to change this and the church needs to change that and this church is broken in this way and that one in this way and how do I whatever and then also say, this is the bride of Christ. And I had an interesting kind of confrontation. Those of you who aren't children, don't have children, won't have probably had many of these moments, but little boys seem to go through a couple of different phases when they think being a boy gives them an advantage over mom. Hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that with your boys, but they, they, there's like a developmental stage, two or three of them, like around three, around age 10, around age 15, yeah. when they think, well, I don't have to listen to mom anymore because I'm male, as, uh-huh. as if that Right. means anything. Right. And and I don't know if that's just the testosterone moments or or if that's just the you know the pack mentality that we have of I'm going to move up in the pack and surely maybe I can't take dad but I think I can take mom. You know, like I don't, I don't know what it all it's about. But with each of my sons they've gone through phases like that more or less and and my youngest son just went through one of those and he had this extremely disrespectful outburst against my wife Ginger and uh and I kind of overheard the tail end of it and Ginger, you know, began to discipline him appropriately. And, and I was like, you know what, I, I want a shot at this too. And so we went out and sat on the bed of my truck and, um, I don't always do things this way, but I just, I just looked him in the eye and said, I, you know what, I want you to look me in the eye and say again, what you just said to your mother, look me in the eye and say it. Mm. And he sat there silently looking at me and then eventually couldn't even make eye contact with me. And I was like, you don't want to say it, do you? You don't want to say to me what you just said to your mother because you know in your heart you were wrong to be disrespectful like that. Mm-hmm. And and I, I feel like, you know, that wasn't threatening. It wasn't mean. It wasn't anything. It was, I want you to think about what you said and take seriously. You don't get to do that. You don't get to be dismissive, flippant, disrespectful. Now, you're allowed to ask your mom questions, and you're allowed to even respectfully say, Hey, I disagree with you, Mom. I disagree with that decision. I don't think I deserve this. Or here's a piece of information you don't have. Or, and so going back to the picture you started with of a family interaction, I think there's something to that. That yeah. how do we learn? Part of maturing is being able to disagree with an authority, argue with one. Um, gosh, I'm even thinking about so um, you know part of a a nonprofit in the past that went through layoffs mm-hmm. and, and being on the executive team there. And I remember at one point, you know, the, the CEO saying to the executive team, so we're all in agreement about these layoffs and having a guy on the team go, no, no, we're not in agreement. No, we're not at all in agreement about this. And the CEO starting to get frustrated. And then someone else going like, no, no, you just used 
the, you said agreement, you meant support. Like right. you're the CEO. You, we totally support your authority to make this call a hundred percent. We don't have to agree with you to respect you, to support you. Now it was, if it had been immoral, then it might've been, we don't agree or support. Right. Um, and I understand why someone would, would rest, wrestle with that with God to say, I, I, I don't agree with this decision. I support and agree that you are God and you get to make this decision. But I also understand how, like you said, when, you know, when you lose a family member or somebody or, or when you, you know, I'm, I have two or I'm, you know, sitting and listening to someone tell me about being sexually abused as a child. And I'm thinking, I, I'm struggling with supporting God that you knew what you were doing when you let this happen when you didn't strike someone down dead and well, you didn't. And so it can be hard for us to support God. And maybe that's part of what we're wrestling with is the emotion of, I, I get that you're God. And yet it is so hard for me to imagine what it's like to be God. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to imagine that if I was God, I would make the same decision you are. So, yeah. and another analogy too is like in sports with your coach or even the ref mm. where you can voice you know to a certain extent that you disagree but if he's the coach he's the coach and so that's a life lesson even with our kids of you listen honor and obey your coaches um that they you might think you need to be put in for that play or that was the wrong play call or um that person shouldn't be a starter versus that person but um you're not the coach and so many times when it's, you know, it's a kid versus an adult who knows what they're doing anyways. But yeah, I think that's, I don't know, that's that's an interesting thought even of Isaiah, who is a prophet of God, who the first, not the whole first five chapters, but in Isaiah 1 through 5, at, at some point he's pronouncing woe on all of these mm. other nations and people. And then in chapter 6 he sees God and his woe is woe is me. I mean, well, you know, I'm unclean mm. when he actually sees God for who he is. So it's the same thing with question, throwing God into question. At some point, it really does come down to this, but who do you think you are? We're talking about the God of the universe, and we're back to the Job issue, too, of you don't, you can't do these things. You don't have my knowledge. You don't have all of this wisdom. And so Isaiah's response was, I'm a dead man. Like, I'm undone. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm an I'm an unclean um, man, and he realized his sin, and that was the the comfort was right afterwards. Like your sins are forgiven um, when the angel takes the coal and touches his, right, his lips. Right, right. But even John, I think I talked about this before. Um, the apostle John, who was Jesus, the one that Jesus loved, when he in Revelation chapter one saw Jesus, he just was blown away and fell at his feet as dead. Like he wasn't like, bro, hey. How's it going? Like it, it was like, oh my goodness, when he was confronted with the reality of who Jesus really was in all his glory. Right. And so I think that's that's that healthy, uh, healthy respect that you that you need to have. That's and it's really we know what it's called. I have a word for it, a phrase. It's called the fear of the Lord. <laughs> You're right. It's that's just exactly the fear right. Of the Lord. And that's where so many Psalms and Proverbs talk about there is no fear of God in their eyes, um, versus someone who does fear the Lord. I don't know that's why that intriguing. Just, why did that just hit me? <laughs> no, I think that's really good. I think that's a good, even a good understanding of a passage of a phrase that actually I think does trouble people is the mm-hmm. idea of okay, you're saying he's my father, he's my friend, he's whatever, 
and I'm supposed to fear him. Right. And but I I think what's being described there is a recognition of his holiness and and a recognition of his ability to be God and what it means that he's God. And and here's the so here's the part that maybe maybe there's a little bit of a weird catch 22 here is that it's also about I have to be humble enough to not see myself as the expert in all conditions. Mm-hmm. Humble enough to not see myself as the as the professor in all classes. Like and 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 even if I can do that in other ways, how do I do it yeah. with God? Yeah. Um because I think all of us understand that at some level, I guess with medical professionals or professors or something, maybe I mean, maybe some people don't. Maybe maybe there are people who, you know, narcissistic type people who actually do think they they are the best at any at the thing that anything else is right. best at. And but surely most of us understand there are people who are experts at things we're not experts on. And and there is a little bit of that conversation, maybe. Yeah. So that's a that's a separate conversation at some point would be how how do you gain the humility of accepting that there would be a God who would be God. If you don't accept that there is a God who would be God, then how do you learn that humility? Right. And that's a, that's an interesting conversation that I would have to really think about, I think to, to understand. Cause I, I don't know that it takes humility to accept the free gift of God's grace. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it does. I'd have to think more about it, but it certainly does take humility to, be able to engage in these conversations, Mm -hmm. which how ironic that for so long, what Christians, what people have experienced about Christians feels like sometimes a lack of humility, Uh a pride. And so if the way we're talking about it, if some of this is right, then man, maybe it takes, maybe, maybe that's part of what's crippled us in some ways is that we've seemed like people who weren't open to those conversations, that we were people who weren't, willing to to question even our own beliefs. Yeah. And yet too dogmatic. I think yeah. it is I think it is humbling. I mean, you have to be humble to receive that gift because everything in us wants to say I earned it. Yeah, so that's there true. There is a humbling of yourself going, I'm so pathetic that I, I the only thing I contributed was the sin that needed to be forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I did have a I did have a, you were referencing John 3.16 and at a, at a Renaissance fair one time when I was asking questions, uh-huh. um, I don't know if you knew I used to do that, but to go out to, uh-huh. I was a Renaissance fair near here that I would go out on Sunday mornings really? and just say, okay, what do y'all want to talk about? I'm, I'm a Christian. We'll talk about whatever. And they would, I would bring donuts and coffee and, really? and boy, I got some, I got some good questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no filter about what questions got <laughs> asked at all. It was wonderful. And there was a lady who played the harp, and and so a lot of these people are grow up in traditional Christian families. They've mm. rejected that or walked away from that. Um, a lot of them had, but but it was still like really interesting. So, but what strikes me is um, there was a lady. Some of the guys asked this lady with a harp, "Could you play? Could we sing um, Amazing Grace together?" Which again, a whole bunch of them going, "How do we? I want to sing Amazing Grace." I'm like. Okay, we obviously we can sing that, and she was like, "I don't sing that song. I'm not a wretch." Oh wow! And and thinking, oh yeah, yeah, to sing that song, you have to admit you're <laughs> right. a wretch. Right. <laughs> so yeah. there is something about that um, that yeah. we there is a recognition that has to happen there. 
and uh, and what that would take. But so I, I don't, you know, I don't know that we've come to any obvious, clear answers here. Like, well, you do A, B, and C, and then you'll know you're doing it correctly. But knowing there's there are a lot of you guys out there who, who you know, who are listening to this, who maybe you've been asking that question of, gosh, it's I want to ask some of these questions, but I do believe there is a God. I do believe that there is a holy and righteous God, and I don't. I mean, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be, yeah. Um, and I, I don't think we want to presume upon him. And yet, I do think the Bible offers us enough examples, whether it's through David or through the questions or through the churches, that that I think I think God can handle the questions we have, and and maybe it's right to say that he would he would want us to ask the questions of him. But but for our own sake, the right way to do it would be humbly, mm-hmm. respectfully. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts to add to that? No, no. I think that's good. That's that's that's, a, that's it's it's a wrestling match. Sometimes it's it's tough. So anyway, this has been this has been good for me to even talk through. Uh-huh. And maybe maybe some part of it, Chris, is also maybe I need to look at the rest of my life and see if the rest of my life indicates that I do treat him with respect and I do treat him as holy and high and lifted up. And, and maybe if the rest of my life does that, then that makes it a whole lot easier. Right. If my children are, are otherwise respectful. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, I know we're wrapping up and then I just thought of this. Um, a student years ago who I was discipling, um, uh, a guy named Nathan and he, um, he decided the teacher wanted him to read a book. And I can't remember for sure what the book was. It may have been catcher in the rye, but there was a book he had to read as an honor student and write a paper on, and he started reading it and discovered some material in it that he thought was inappropriate for him. He was like, this is going to tempt me. This is something I don't need to read. This is going to put bad thoughts in my head. And so he went to the teacher and said, can you give me a different assignment? I don't, I don't want to read this book, and here's why. And the teacher said, because Nathan was number one in his class, by the way, mm. and he said, and the teacher said, I'm paraphrasing, but if, if you'd been almost any other student, I would have just thought you were trying to get out of work. Right. But because I know you're a hard worker, I know you're respectful, I know these things about you, then I know your motive for this is is you just you just want to protect your heart and mind from some of this material. Yeah. So yes, I'll let you take a different assignment. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is God doesn't have to guess at what our motives and our heart is. Yeah. And and he also knows it's imperfect and flawed. And so I just I think we make the effort to try to have the right heart and the right motive when we ask these questions. Well, it's almost like your uh, how Zechariah responds to Gabriel versus how Mary responds to Gabriel. Yeah. Both oh, of yeah. them are like, yeah, yeah. Uh, how is that going to be? But apparently Zechariah's attitude was more doubting, skeptical something, and Mary's yeah. was more uh, the mechanics are like, how can this be? But again, yep. God knows the heart. Sounds good. Well, if you're wrestling with this too, I hope this has been helpful. Great. It has been for me, so I appreciate it. And uh, and we will talk to you guys next time. All right. All right. So See you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.